0: sparklers, and welcome to another episode of A Sparkling Vintage Life, where we talk about all things vintage and celebrate the grace and charm of an earlier era. I'm your host, Jennifer Leo, and it's October 3rd, 2022, as I record this. I believe it's episode number 35. I'm going to talk to you today about Queen Elizabeth, who, as everyone in the Entire Universe Knows passed away on September 8th, um, almost a month ago. It's taken me a little time to sort through my feelings and pull my thoughts together. But I I was deeply affected by her passing, and I wanted to talk to you about that. First, uh, let me invite you to do something around the house while I'm talking. You don't need to sit here and listen to me. (laughs) There's nothing to look at. And uh, I'm finding it very helpful as I do my tasks and chores around the house and in the yard and driving or whatever to listen to podcasts and not just sit and absorb them if it's not something I need to take notes on. So I invite you to do that too. Go attack that pile of dishes in the kitchen or go make your bed or depending on what time of day it is. Go take a walk if it's nice outside and just visit with me. First, a publishing update. I uh, I am so close to finishing Wrap Your Troubles and Dreams. That's the Hollywood novel, and uh, it's due to the editor this month, and it looks like I'm going to make it, <laughs> unlike last time where I just completely blew that deadline, and it will likely, if all goes well, come out in November. As for what comes next after that, I, uh, I've been recently invited to participate in another novella collection with a different group of authors, and um, we're still at the stage of discussing what we might like this collection to look like, what we want the theme to be, etc., And then we have to create a proposal and submit the proposal to a publisher and wait to hear on that whether the publisher wants to do it or not. So it's a long process and it'll probably be quite a while before I have any definitive news on that, whether or not it's happening. If it does happen, um, that'll be my top priority. If it does not, I am going to return to writing um, Love's Grand Sweet Song, which is the opera novel. You may recall I stopped writing that last winter in order to re-release You're the Cream in My Coffee and Ain't Misbehavin' in the Corrigan Sisters series, and then Wrap Your Troubles and Dreams is the third book in that series. So I'd like to get back to the opera novel. I do want to finish it. I do believe in it. I think it's a <clears throat> really good story, Um, if I could get it down on paper. So (laughs) we'll work on that. And that's pretty much publishing news for right now. Um, Not much travel this fall, Um, a few weekends here and there, but pretty much nose to the grindstone as we close out the year. I can't believe it's the fourth quarter already. Okay, my thoughts on Queen Elizabeth II. As I mentioned earlier, I, I felt oddly affected by her death emotionally, and I couldn't figure out why. She did die after a 70-year reign in the United Kingdom, and that's uh, longer than just about any monarch, I think, in the um, history of the UK and maybe in uh, the Western world. I'm not sure about that. I am not a British subject, obviously. I'm as American as apple pie, as the saying goes. I um, I haven't even taken a real keen interest in the goings-on of the royal family. Here and there, I, I did like Diana very much and uh, even had a Diana haircut <laughs> for a while in my youth. Maybe sometime I can dig up a picture of that for your for your amusement but in general I haven't watched too much. I do admire uh, Kate Middleton and for what I know about her but anyway I but we're talking about the queen today so why did I feel so unaccountably melancholy at her passing? I haven't even gotten to visit the UK yet which is one of those regrets that (laughs) I hope I still have time to rectify. if if all goes well, but I really want to get there. So I thought about the Queen, and I decided it was her qualities as a person were mostly what make me admire her, and not so much her accomplishments in the political realm. I don't even think she makes that many decisions of that nature. I think that falls mostly to the Prime Minister and Parliament. Uh, So I looked at her qualities as a person. And there's a saying that goes around the vintage community, which I love to follow. Um, And it says something like, vintage style, not vintage values. And I understand and agree to a large extent with that sentiment, meaning if a vintage value might be the negative ones such as racism or sexism we don't need any more of that certainly but um, not all values need to be thrown out and that's the whole point of a sparkling vintage life is to preserve what was good about the past and what we'd like to see maybe strengthened again in our culture So that's what I think of as a vintage value. And I chose three qualities of Queen Elizabeth that seem to be particularly out of fashion these days. By coincidence, they all start with the letter D. (laughs) I didn't plan it that way, but it works out nicely for alliteration. And the first of those qualities is dignity. You don't hear much about dignity today and being dignified. It has a stuffy connotation, like you're no fun if you're dignified. And I do not think that's true, obviously. But I looked up a dictionary definition of it, and it said it was, um, dignity is the quality of being worthy, honored, or esteemed. Another definition is a high rank or nobility, which obviously applies to Elizabeth. She was queen. Another was um, a formal reserve or seriousness of manners, appearance, or language. And I certainly think that was true of her as well. You always saw her not always serious, but mostly serious when she was out doing um, her official duties. She lightened that with a sense of humor now and then, but she did have an overall seriousness of manner. And she spoke carefully and in, well, a dignified way, we'd have to say. She was not given to any coarseness in her language, no swearing, and at least not in any public forum, no coarse jesting. She um, always maintained her dignity. From the same root word, we get the word dignitary, which is one who possesses an exalted rank or holds a position of honor. We call them dignitaries because they are supposed to. We expect them to have an attitude of dignity. This does not mean that the queen was inherently better than anyone else. She's a person. She's a mortal. She's a sinner saved by grace. Um, But she represents the best of what we could be if we pulled ourselves together, at least in a Western Anglo-Saxon context. We look at her as um, someone we would strive to be, or I should say I do. She showed leadership and calmness in times of great trials. She didn't flinch. She had stability and continuity and a sense of selfless- selflessness selflessness and a quiet, restrained demeanor. She gave her her subjects and, by extension, people like me as well, a sense of stability, and I think that was due in large part to her dignity. She was not given to grand displays of emotion. Now, this is a quality I would give my eye teeth to be able to develop because my whole life, my emotions have been right there below the surface of my, um, my skin. And I am prone to burst into tears and, or excitement or other, you know, as my dad said, I wore my heart on my sleeve all my life and I have not been able to, um, conquer that habit. And, um, Elizabeth did say once, um, she said, I think training is the answer to a great many things. You can do a lot if you are properly trained, and I hope I have been, unquote. Elizabeth was raised to be dignified, Um, and her life changed when she was, I think she was 9 or 10 when her uncle, Edward VIII, who was supposed to become king, um, abdicated the throne to Mary Wallace Simpson, putting Elizabeth's father, King George VI, I think, um, on the throne and making her the next in line. And then she was 25 when her father passed away and she assumed those duties but she was brought up with knowing that what was expected of her, and one of those things was dignity. And I know to many modern people that comes across as being cold, but I think it's more a matter of um, she knew when it was appropriate to show emotion around her family and her close friends and not out in public where she was being queen. And I admire that ability to show self-restraint and to master emotions to that point. And that is something I would like to develop in myself. This is a good thing to show emotion. I, our therapeutic culture says we should be showing our emotions all, all the time. I don't think that is true, but I do think we also don't need to bottle them up And I would like to be able to show my emotion when it's appropriate when I'm talking to God. For example, um, I want to be able to freely emote in private when I'm talking to my husband or my very closest friends. um, I'd like to let my feelings show, but I would like to not let them show every time I turn around. So we're working on that. The second quality that Elizabeth showed that I admire so much that I think we need to bring back is diplomacy. I looked up, of course, a definition of diplomacy and the dictionary said it was skill in handling affairs without arousing hostility. Now we see that clearly in the people we call diplomats whose job is to negotiate things with other nations, while maintaining a cool head and not exciting. Again, those crazy emotions. (laughs) I think we're seeing a pattern here. Elizabeth was certainly skilled at that. She was very skilled at putting people at ease and making people feel listened to. She had a way of asking just the right questions that would um, make a person feel that she really cared, no matter what else was going on in her life. And that's a real gift, and I think it's something that many of us could develop to a certain extent. She was certainly respected by many world leaders that would like to develop that quality of diplomacy in myself. And then the third quality, the third D, is duty she had a strong sense of duty and when i looked that up it was defined as conduct due to parents or those in authority respect another definition was obligatory tasks conduct or service and the third is a moral or legal obligation I found it interesting that the definition of duty or the root of it came from the Middle English word that meant something that is due. And that's also where we get duty in um, the sense of paying a duty tax on something. It's something that is due or owed. And in all those definitions, I see the acknowledgement that there is something greater than oneself, a dutiful person is someone who is motivated by a sense of duty toward something other than themselves and this was a quality I really admired in the Queen she would have liked perhaps a different kind of life but she rose to um, what her family expected of her and what the the British people and heritage and tradition expected of her which was to become queen on the death of her father. At age 18, she joined the Auxiliary Transport Corps as a driver, that was during World War II. She probably could have left the country and ridden out the war in a safer place, but she did not, she chose to serve. On her 21st birthday, she gave a speech that said in part, My whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong, So even then, she was acknowledging her sense of duty toward the monarchy and toward um, the British people. Her, Her cousin Patricia, Countess Mountbatten of Burma, once said, quote, If the queen had been able to choose her own life, she would have been a very happy person living in the country with animals and dogs, taking part in community life and never having to do smart and grand things all the time. So we see here a woman who set aside her own personal desires to fulfill what she felt called was her duty. And this is pretty rare nowadays. It's, we hear a lot about doing what makes you happy, what makes you feel fulfilled, and to not stick by duty to authority or duty to marriage or anything like that if it doesn't um, make you happy. And in the queen, we see the opposite. We see times when it was probably awfully dismal to be queen and yet she did a wonderful job so I would like to have a quality of duty she held a um, she valued her family very much she cherished time with them at Sandringham and at Belmoral when they had time to take a break she loved horses and dogs and would (laughs) certainly have made a very happy country woman, if that was what God had had in mind for her. But it wasn't. And speaking of God, I found a testimony to her faith online. This was at Christianity.org. And this said, since Queen Elizabeth II died, the media has looked back on her long life, and as particularly about her faith. Quote, the nation and commonwealth mourns a monarch who was a remarkable public servant and whose life was rooted in the Bible, unquote. That's a quote of Paul Williams, the CEO of the Bible Society UK. He went on to say we cannot understand the queen without a reference to her Christian faith. He said that Her Majesty attended church every week, prayed daily, and read her Bible. He said, quote, the Queen's faith has made a real difference in her reign and to the nation. Her Christian faith has been her guide during the highs and lows of her life, and because of that, she has been able to be a stable and enduring presence in national life. In her Christmas address in 2002, she made this statement, quote, I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. I draw strength from the message of hope in the gospel. Christianity Today magazine published an article about the queen's faith in God and In her own words in 2000, she said, For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's word and example. The article stated, The Queen's love of the Bible and its gospel message led her to participation in the publication of a special book to commemorate her 90th birthday. It was titled, The Servant Queen and the King She Serves. The overview of Her Majesty's Christian faith was published in 2016 by Bible Society UK. Her Majesty wrote the foreword, thanking readers for their prayers and good wishes. And she wrote, I have been and remain very grateful to God for his steadfast love. I have indeed seen his faithfulness this um, post ended by saying that franklin graham who is the son of billy graham wrote about his father's friendship with queen elizabeth he said the queen and my father were both committed to christ but they lived thousands of miles from one another it seems unlikely that a farm boy from north carolina would ever become acquainted with her majesty but When God drew them together, a unique friendship was formed. And so the reason I'm speaking about her faith is that is part of that sense of duty and the sense of something larger than herself to which she um, had allegiance and she put her trust in God. And she was imperfect, um, as we all are, and... I'm sure there were many things if she could do them over, she would. But if her faith underlay the rest of her life, then she's an example that I want to follow. And so those were my three Ds for Queen Elizabeth II. Her dignity, her diplomacy, and her duty. These are things I hope we'll bring back into our culture. And I aim to do my part to do so. And that's all I have to say this week, sparklers. I uh, thank you for tuning in. Hope you got something done today. And I hope you will tune in next time for another discussion of A Sparkling Vintage Life.